Hi everyone, Stuart here. Just before the Steve Foster episode starts, I'd just like to make everyone aware we've now launched our Just Giving page for Ashton Hume, the young goalkeeper in the academy that we mentioned on last week's pod. We are aiming to raise money for Bone Cancer Research Trust. If you would like and you can donate, then please do so. As I put in my messages on Twitter and Facebook, if you give £10, then you'll be entered into our draw. There are now three prizes up for grabs. The two shirts we mentioned on Monday's pod Plus, the club got in touch to tell us they will give us a signed shirt as well. If you're not on Facebook or Twitter, then I have put the link to the Just Giving page in this episode's bio. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the latest in our X-Player episodes. I'm joined today as ever with two of our regular panellists who are going to jump in with questions along the way. First up is Steve Dale. Hi Steve. Hi mate, you okay? Yeah, so we finally got you on one of these episodes. Yeah, it's, t- it's taken a while to be asked but it's an honour to be here. <laughs> uh, next up then is Neil Price. Hi Neil. Hi Stu, how you doing? Good. Now, Neil, you got your way onto this episode based on the comment you made to me that today's guest is in your top five Alex players of all time. That's some claim. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, very, very thankful for you of uh, giving me this opportunity. Uh, we best introduce the man himself then. It's Steve Foster. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, good. Thank you so much for coming on. Not a problem. Nice to be here. Uh, nice to be here. Nice to be uh, asked on and uh, nice to meet you, Neil, as well. <laughs> Thanks for the kind comments. <laughs> you idolise them as much, or? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll start as we always do then at the beginning. Now, Steve, you're originally from Warrington, correct? That's right, yeah. Warrington is obviously in Cheshire, uh, but there's clubs closer than Crewe. So how did you come to be in the Alex Academy? Um, bit, of a long, bit of a long story, really. Um, I was quite a late starter, to be honest. Um my brother was always the one who was into football more than, than I was. And I think uh, so at Italia 90 captured my, uh, my imagination and my joy for the, for the game. Um, and then I really, uh, really kicked on from there and got into local, local football team, local uh, Sunday league team. Um, and I was actually spotted uh, in a cup final in one of the first seasons playing for them uh, for Man United. So I actually signed and went to United for, for 12 months. Um, but in those days, you weren't kind of tied in just to, to play for, for the, uh, the actual club. You, know, you could still play for your, for your local team. Um, so I carried on playing for my local team and also kind of subbing for my brother's team. Um, my brother plays, he's, he's sort of three age groups above me, but I used to sub for them and, and just take my boots along. Um, and the last 10 minutes as the team was winning, I used to, used to get a few, few minutes. And like I said, back in those days as well, the, the clubs uh, to get game time for their academy players, they used to put teams into local leagues. So uh, Crew Railway Juniors or Crew Alexandra um, used to have a team in my brother's league. Um, and it was when I was playing... I got on for, for 10 minutes at the end of a game, played against Crewway Railway Juniors. Um, that uh, I was kind of spotted and um, the manager of my brother's team spoke to the manager of, of Crew and 
they asked me down to come and uh, go and train. Um, so then it's, uh, went down, went again down to train, and, and then it's a decision to make whether to stay at United or to sign for Sanford Crew. How old was this when you were doing all this? About under 12s, I think. So you were in the academy for quite a while then, when you actually did sign for Crew. Yeah, um, I mean it was it was a tough decision. Obviously, I mean Man United supporter, so to to come away from United and, and sign for Crew is a is a big decision. But I think it was made quite easy in a sense that the, one of the first training sessions I went to, and, and Dario was taking training, and it just just blew my mind. And my dad was um, he was amazed. You know, the first team manager was taking the under 12s training, um, and it was a lot more individual training. I think I was at United for, for 12, 14 months. I'd be surprised if they knew my name. Um, there was 60, 60 kids training of an evening of one age group. Um, and it was just, yeah, just a lot of attention to, to the development of the, of the kids coming through at Crew, And that's the reason why, why I signed and, yeah, and uh, obviously stayed for, for a number of years after that. My next question then was, um, who would you say would be the main people to help you progress through the academy? But you, I mean, you've already mentioned Dario himself. So was he key or were there other people there as well? Absolutely. I mean, Dario, I always say he was the, he's the best, best coach of, I've known, best coach I've played for. I've questioned, if I'm perfectly honest, whether the best manager, but he's certainly the best, best coach. Um, and obviously along the line then there was Steve Holland, Terry McPhillips, uh, Chris Walters, um, you know, there's, 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 there's quite a few really. I could, uh, I could go on all day. It was in that age group, Steve. In my age group, who you probably obviously know who went on and, and, and into the game uh, were Richard Walker um, and John Grant. Um, we had a, we had a decent age group, but not many came through in that year. Um, obviously, crew have a great reputation of bringing kids through, but I think there maybe have only been maybe four or five who actually signed pro from from my year. Yeah, if you're saying John Grant is like the third player after you and Mitch Walker, then it doesn't sound like it was a stellar year. No offense to John Grant or anything. Well, in comparison to the, the year above, I mean that was a that was a really really strong strong year with uh, you know David Wright, Kenny Lunds, Rob Bulls. Um, I suppose I'm missing some off there, but yeah, was, was, that was a really strong age group. We had Pete Morse on recently. Um, he's saying that, you know, it's quite clear these days for crew, there's a distinct path with crew players coming through the academy. They'll spend their time in the academy. They'll learn, you know, the crew way. They'll be coached in the crew way. And then when they're ready, they go out on loan to the lower league clubs in this area. Um, as far as I'm aware, as far as I can remember, you didn't go out on loan, did you? It was just academy straight into the first team. Was there ever any suggestion that you would go on loan or? No, it was, it was it was kind of straight in. I always I always wonder, sort of uh, looking looking back, whether maybe a three month loan period at a, a lower league uh, club might have stood me in, in good stead. Not complaining, I had a fantastic uh, career, and I can't complain at all. But I always felt that maybe that maybe would have pushed me on maybe further. Um, but now I was uh, first year uh, YTS as it was back then, and. Um, and, and straight into, well, kind of straight into the first team, but straight into the first team squad anyway. Actually, I think it was meant to make my, my debut quite a, quite a considerably bit earlier than I actually did. I think it was only, I mean, I can't remember, how, I was the 17 when I made my, my debut. I think it was a few months before, and Dario 
I think came to me and, and kind of said I was we were playing Norwich away. Um, he said I was going to play on Saturday. I was like, right. You know, as, as a young kid, um, he said, but, said, no, John Pemberton told me not to. Um, <laughs> he said it, it could have gone two ways, you know, and if you would have had a stinker, he said it could have been, could have been the end of you. So I have, you know, looking back, I have, you know, a couple of thoughts with that really. I thought, you know, yeah. costing me my, my debut at a young age, you know, would have been, would have been fantastic. But again, I can see his, his side of things and if I would have had a, a bit of a torrid, um, they could have set me back. Was there one coach that, in the academy that you felt really rated you then? Um, like obviously, Dario was willing to give me first team debut, but who was the coach you felt really fancied you from an early age? Do you know, I'm going to be perfectly honest, and I think I think Dario was my biggest advocate, really. Um, Steve, I think obviously, you could obviously see I had ability of, of a sense. Um, Although my game was based not really around skill and and actual football and ability, it's more about my kind of reading of the game and, and, and bravery. And, um, and back then I was quite quick as well. Um, Steve was all about your technique. Um, well, not all about technique, but that was his focus. Um, and the great thing about him as a coach is he was a, he was a young coach. Um, and every time he was doing his, his demos and stuff, he could do all the demos. You know, all the young kids were doing tricks. He could do them as well. Um, so he's doing the demonstrations. He was the best one. You know, he, he was he was really giving a good uh, good example of, of things. Um, and I don't know, you'd have to speak to, to Steve whether he, he rated me, but I always felt that Dario was the biggest one who, who was driving me forward and, and pushing me on uh, into, the, into the first team. Am I right in remembering that you played right back when you first broke into the team? Um, my debut was uh, very away, if I remember it, if I came on as a sub um, at centre-half. So I generally uh, was always a centre-half. Um, and then as, as I was getting a number of sort of appearances under my belt, I think I started, I can't remember the first game I played at right back, but I think it's something that's really not been a downfall, but uh, it's been an issue with me because I, I've never been the, the biggest, although I'm tall and six foot two, I've never been a big commanding uh, centre half like a, you know Dave Walton or even even Mac or even Steve McCall. He had a presence about him, um, so that was one of the issues whether I was actually big enough to play centre half or whether it was going to be end up being a, a right back. And then mobility um, kind of came into question. Then whether I actually going forward um, to play a right back, so I was kind of in between. And I kind of stayed with me for, for most of my career. I played a number of games for, for Barnsley at right back as well, um, and Burnley. Um, but it, it didn't, it, one of those I didn't, didn't mind too much. Um, I always came through as a youth player, as a, as a centre-half, though. Or a centre-forward for a brief time, but that's another story. <laughs> that didn't last then, no? Well, it was... That was I was coming through um, as a 15, maybe 15, 16-year-old, Dario pulled me at the start of the season uh, in, the, in the youth team and said, I want to play your centre-forward. I was sort of, I played there for school, you know, trying to get a few goals and stuff, but I've never really seriously played at centre-forward. So he just said, I'm going to play centre-forward. I think it would be good for your, for your, for your development and, and for your feet. You know, I was quite clumsy, quite a clumsy player, and I think it will develop you and, and, and help with your feet. So I played 
well, I don't know, 20 games, a set of forward in the under-16s and, and scored probably just as many goals, maybe 15, 15 goals. And I think it really put a question in, in Dario's mind as to as to what we're going to do at the end of this this little trial period. Um, and when I signed schoolboy forms um, in the office, he kind of sat me, me and my dad down. He said, hey, I've been thinking centre-forward, centre-half. He said, I think you make a really good centre-forward. So I was like, I was quite excited about this, you know. Get all the glory at centre forward. He said, "But well, I think you make, I think you make a better centre half." <laughs> and that was the end of that. Never played centre forward again, apart from little spells. He used to bring me on when he used to play two or three subs uh, early on in my uh, my career. My uh, sort of five ten minutes. He used to bring me on centre forward. I don't know if any of you remember that, but um, you know, I was quite uh, quite enjoyed playing up there, and uh, you know, I had a decent goal scoring record. So. All the stories here about Dario are incredible, aren't they? He's, there, there can't be many people that have just put sort of something goes. Yeah, I think he could play centre forward at that age. Just unbelievable. No, yeah, he, he had that. He had that knack, didn't he? And obviously, his record speaks for itself of the players he, he's brought through and the, 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 the how he managed to kind of change players um, to suit the crew way um, and, to, and to bring them um, to to bring them on. You know, it was. Second to all, like I said, his, his coaching was is absolutely frightening. Uh, you know, going into international uh, weekends or international breaks, and we'd maybe only have seven or eight lads training, and we're thinking, oh, it's going to be a bit of a bit of a washout this this session. And he used to throw on these these sessions, and yeah, where he got them from, I've no idea, but uh, yeah, absolute genius when it comes to uh, to coaching. Uh, there was two things there, Steve, I wanted to um, sort of pick up on what you've just said the last five minutes or so. One was it's becoming increasingly clear the more of these episodes that we do that when Dario decides something, then that is the case. If, you know, if it's up in the air that you're centre-half, centre-forward, and then he says in a meeting with you, you're centre-half, then you are going to be a centre-half. You're not going to be a centre-forward. And the other thing was you mentioned you were six foot two. Now, I remember you being that about that tall, and I was surprised because your Wikipedia, I don't know if you're aware of this, your Wikipedia says you're 5'11". I'm surprised when I read that. I was convinced you were taller than that. So it's nice to know from yourself that you are six foot two, and my memory isn't disappearing completely. Yeah, there's a couple of things like that stuck through. I think it was I think it was five foot ten, five foot eleven, and it made, always had my date of birth wrong. So right. used to get the guys outside the ground with the you know the big uh, football uh, encyclopedia type things, and used to spend the time correcting the, <laughs> the heights and the. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think on the same Wikipedia page, it gives your crew uh, total appearances different twice. So, I mean, as we all know, let's not trust Wikipedia. Uh, another episode that we did recently that um, I know you listened to, because it's the one that you got in touch with, was the Steve McCauley, Sean Smith one. On that episode, Steve McCauley said that you were part of the reason why he decided that he was going to leave the Alex, because you were the young lad breaking through, taking his place. Was that how it felt to you at the time? Not, not at all. You know, when I, when I actually listened to it, and I, I love, love listening to, to those two. Um, that's the most I've ever heard uh, Sean Smith at all, by the way. I was very um, surprised. <laughs> I thought it was going to be quite quiet. Yeah, yeah he, was, uh, he was an interesting character, Sean, and a lot of people didn't know how to take him. Um, just the way he was, he was quiet and, and real stern, stern face. Um, but yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't see it that way with, with, with Maka. Um, we were in the same like car school coming from the same direction down the down the M6. So for for months and months before it was me, Righty, Sean, Maka, and Un, Un, Unzi, um, before Unzi left. 
and, and Phil Charnock. Um, and I always I always looked up to Tobacco. He was the one I looked on when I was coming through and, and, and watching the, the first team as a bit of a bit of an idol. But then actually when he when he talked about uh, his own career and his own path um, and the fact that I came through he almost said I felt almost guilty, you know. It seemed about almost like sort of took his place. Or, but I think you touched on on that interview saying that uh, it's the crew way, isn't it, to bring the, the young kids through. So if there was someone kind of knocking on the door, um, coming through the youth team, I think it was always known that they were going to get kind of pushed pushed on and, and pushed into into the first team. But you know, I think we played a number of games alongside each. Me in Macca, but I didn't. I didn't really see it the way he put it. You know, it kind of made me think. Oh, yeah, I think I feel a bit guilty for taking his spot. <laughs> there were some stories from that car school, weren't there? There was. Oh, do you know, I was just only thinking about, about before um, about the car school, and it, I, I don't know whether Charno, Phil Charnock was the, the ringleader, just like little kids. Absolute little kids. Yeah, and they're the other ones I looked up to. They're a lot older. They were a year a few years older than me. Um, but absolute kids. Childish jokes. And ones, you know, I could probably tell now and it wouldn't be funny to you, but at the time, you know, it was just just constant, especially with especially with Chino. He's a he's a funny fella. Yeah, I always listen to a number of football podcasts and there's a lot of players that say them car schools are what sort of give them a good introduction to first team football. So yeah, I always look back on my my career and it, it kind of falls into car schools because I've always kind of travelled. I've always lived in Warrington, so I travelled down to to crew with Macca, Sean and, and Wrighty and those lot. And then the other ones left and then it was just me and Wrighty. And then Wrighty left, it was me and uh, Paul Tate. Um, and then there's a number of car schools at the other clubs as well. Went across to, to Barnsley and then driving up to, to Burnley. Um and they were they were great, you know. I made some great uh, great friendships. You broke into the first team. You're playing at second tier level, straight from academy straight into what is now the championship of the first division. Then was it tricky to adjust to that level? Um, it was. It, it's how can I put this? I've always enjoyed being a bit of an underdog um, ever since I was. Ever since I started playing football, the first uh, Sunday league team I played for, I went down to train for the team. They'd asked me to come down to see me play for the school. And my age group wasn't there. And it was the age group above. And they said, oh, while you're here, you may as well come and train with us. So I ended up training with them and ended up signing for them. They said, well, come and play for us. So I played a year up, year up all the way through uh, the kids' football. And then even at crew, I spent a lot of time playing playing for the year above for, for, with Wrighty and Kenny and, um, and and that team. And I always, I don't know if it felt like there was less pressure on me because I was a younger lad playing a year above. So no one really expected me to to win the headers against lads who were a foot taller than me or, you know, and, and just that that freedom and, and I didn't feel any pressure that I had to be the top man. And, and that kind of came, that went through to, you know, breaking into the, into the first team. Um, I felt, like I was a 17, 18 year old playing against men. You know, I wasn't expected to to do anything. I wasn't expected to stop these guys, these big uh, lumps of centre forwards. Um, so I enjoyed that that challenge and and kind of that uh, that freedom. 
Yeah, because we did get some pretty big names turning up at Gresty Road in that those first two seasons. You were playing, you know, I think first name that comes to my head is Dean Holdsworth, but that's probably because of the abuse he used to get from the uh, from the home fans every time he came to Gresty Road. So I imagine could yeah. be quite intimidating for a young lad. Yeah, he, he was definitely one who'd, who'd definitely uh, mention. Um, I think Marshall at Bolton as well. I played against it uh, at the Reebok, and they, I think they just uh, one of the first few seasons at the Reebok. It might have been. I'm not too sure. Again, he was a, a big fella, but a good, good player. Um, Dean Holdsworth was a, a nasty piece of nasty piece of work. Well, that's what the song uh, says, a isn't good it? Player, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I those words, but yeah, I remember the words. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I enjoyed that. You know, I, I I was one of those players who put my head in places that you really, really shouldn't and um enjoyed tackling. I wasn't good at the, the I wasn't good at keep ups, keep you ups. Never step over never had a step over a marker ever. Um I just enjoyed the, the, the fight and, and the battle against the, you know, one v one against the centre forward. And then to bring it down a little bit, obviously your second season playing for the first team, crew relegated back to, what would it have been, Division 2 then? Division 2 um, then, yeah. Yeah. How hard did you take that? How hard did the squad take that? Was, was it expected or was it a surprise? I think crew were always, again, kind of the underdog. Crew were never expected to be in the championship playing against Bolton and Wolves and Chef Wednesday and those teams. Um, they they Never expected to be there. And like I think you touched on one of your previous podcasts. You know, I think some teams came to Gresty Road and just completely underestimated what the experience they were going to get there and the team that they were playing against. Um but saying that we, we were sort of a, a small fish in a in a big pond and, and it was always a battle. We always knew it was going to be a fight to uh, to to stay in the league. And unfortunately, that season we weren't quite uh, we weren't quite good enough. I actually watched that review yesterday. No, not yesterday. The day before, because someone's kind of put them on YouTube. And uh, to me, it looked like that season kind of filtered out when um, the the Everton games came around. I don't know if that was a coincidence, but it just seemed to sort of not fall apart. But it seemed to not go as well after that. Have you had to say? It can, it, it can look sort of a big, big uh, cup occasion or cup run. Uh, you can take. Couple experiences of that, um, and take your take your eye off the off the league and the and the bread and butter. And unfortunately, that season, you know, it was, it was disappointing. I don't think I, I think I was a bit in and out that season. I don't think I particularly played that regularly. Um, but still, it was still obviously really disappointing because we 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 love being in that uh, in that league and playing against those uh, those big clubs. Yeah, I think the what you just said then about you know always being tipped to finish bottom. That's something I remember because obviously the first time back up in uh, well, first time up in Division One, um, I, I was of an age where I was buying four four two magazine that sort of thing. And every year it would have Crew twenty fourth as the season prediction. And every year they wouldn't until you know the fifth year when I think it was twenty second we ended up going down in the next season. Then two thousand two two thousand three, I've said on the previous I think it was the Steve Jones episode my favourite season of football that's ever happened. Um, I think even that one, Crew were predicted to finish around mid-table, maybe slightly higher than mid-table. But was the feeling in the squad that you had a chance to go straight back up? Was that the feeling in pre-season? I don't know. I can't remember, to be honest. I, I just I just know that we just got on with it. It wasn't the Crew way, really, to look at other teams and where we'd finish in the league. It was just about going into every game and, and to improve as as 
individuals really, even more than even more than a team. Um, it was always that way. It was always about improving individually, about producing players to to then sell on to to survive. Um, what we were aware of is the good players and the the influx of lads coming coming through. Um, you look at that squad that that got promoted. Um, you know, there's some some very good players in there. Yeah. I, I wrote some down just just in case I didn't forget some. You know, yourself, David Wright, David Vaughan, Clayton Ince, Kenny Lunt, Dave Brammer, Dean Ashton, Steve Jones, Rob Hulse, Rodney Jack. It just goes on. An absolutely ridiculous squad for that level. Yeah, I don't think, especially when you mentioned the forward players there, you know, Dino, Hulsey, Rodney Jack, Steve Jones, there's four players there that you'd, you'd struggle to to name a better uh, front line um, to, to pick from in that league um, and, and because of that we were aware that we'd, we'd have a half decent chance of, of doing something that year I might be being a bit biased there from the point of view that we went up but I can't imagine League 2 well what it is now League 1 is has ever been that strong I mean we had we had the forward line we had we had Robert Earnshaw scoring millions at Cardiff Nathan Ellington scoring just as many at Wigan it was relentless wasn't it I'm not sure that league's ever been that same standard before or again so you had Bristol City as well, who were who were up there. Yeah, it was a strong. It was a strong league. I think we lost. We lost quite a few games. Um, you know, it wasn't about we. we you know, Wigan and ourselves ran away with it. I think Wigan kind of um, created a bit of a gap between them and, and, and everybody else. Um, we, but we lost quite a few games. But I don't think we drew that many. We just if we lost one, we bounced straight back. We didn't particularly go on a run of, of three or four without a win. Um, and it wasn't, I say, the fact that we didn't lose games. It was, we just we just bounced straight back after any, any uh, setback. Yeah, that's sort of my recollection as a fan that, you know, I mean, the season didn't get off to a very good start. Drew away at Northampton, then lost, I think, 3-0 at home to Notts County. But then after yeah. that, it sort of picked up. But there was a spell um, where if we were playing one of the teams around us, we didn't t- tend to do a, get a good result at the start of the year. I remember Wigan away being my least favourite day of the season when was it Rich Walker got sent off for breathing on the striker. Um, Never and, foul, yeah. From my own personal point of view, I was incredibly hungover that day as well. I think I slept the entire <laughs> way up on the train, slept all the way da- back again and just watched 90 minutes of crew losing. It wasn't my favourite day of the year. But uh, there was that one. There was also the game, sorry to bring this up, Steve, that you got sent off against Oldham, who were also up at the top challenging. So there was a few games where we could have, you know, pulled away, but didn't. And it was quite tight all the way to the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, like I said, we just uh, we just made sure we bounced we bounced straight back. Um, you, you mentioned a couple of disappointing experiences there. Um, that was a long eighty nine minutes at Wigan. <laughs> I'll tell you, tell you that now. <laughs> and I think a longer eighty nine minutes for Rich Walker because he was. I'm sure he was in the dressing room just wondering what Dario was going to uh, going to say to him. Surely he can't have been too mad though. He didn't do. I still can't work out what he's supposed to have done wrong that day. I don't think he did too much, did he? But you never know with with Dario. Um, it was there's, there's always a story with me and Rich that we always we always bring up. We're still friends now, Rich and I. Um, but playing uh, Stockport away we had a really good win. It might have been three or four one at, uh, at Stockport. But I remember the goal that we conceded, and it was a long ball up above Rich, and he's gone for the header, and he's he's lost it in the sun, 
I think it's and resulted in in them getting a consolation goal. We came off absolutely buzzing. They had a great result, and uh, Dario was going, you know, can't, can't actually say what he said, but you know, what, what were you thinking, Dario and Richard? I lost it in the sun. He went, oh, fine, I won't play you when it's sunny. <laughs> and that, that was, <laughs> and that was Dario's way. You never had, you don't make an excuse, you know. Players who used to come into the into the club who had a lot more experience, they couldn't get the head round the way the way Dario worked, and you're best just to just to sit and nod and, and listen. Don't don't talk back too much because yeah, like saying and people have said before, you just had a way of turning the the conversation or or, or you know to his way, and he he managed to put you down like like that, like of a hat, drop of a hat. In my head, Steve, I've got this sort of recollection of you scoring a lot of goals that season. But again, I'm going on Wikipedia. It says you only got four, but they always seem to be the same goal that season. So I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Kenny would get a free kick just inside the opposition half. He'd put it into the near post. You'd make a run across. You'd head it into the near post. It'd be a goal for crew. And oppositions didn't seem to learn that that was a way that we scored goals. Is that how you remember it as well? Yeah. <laughs> is that something you worked on there? No, oh, we worked so much on that free kick. I think because because we scored so many goals from it as well. It wasn't just me. It was Hulsey. It was it was Dean, um, and even even Billy Jones. We came through. We did we did that did that free kick for for a long time, um, and even after I'd left the club, I was trying to convince other teams that I went to to do this free kick. Because it was, it, it was a goal. Every we we've got a free kick around. We just thought here's a here's a massive opportunity here, massive opportunity. Um, and I don't know whether the, the, the clubs, the managers didn't take me up on it, or whether the fact they didn't have Kenny Lunt <laughs> to take the free kick. And his but his delivery was is just. And the, and the longer I played, the the more I realised that. His, his delivery free kicks was was second to none. It's it's unbelievable, and like I said, the, the amount of goals I've scored for for Crew, I think all but one Kenny set up. I think Dean Ashton says the same thing, doesn't he? That he scored most of his goals. If you look, it's somewhere along the line. Kenny Lunt's made that goal. Yeah, I can say fifty percent probably of, of Dean goal, Dean's goals were from that free kick as well. <laughs> it was yeah, we we worked on it relentlessly in in training. Um, yeah, we have Dario or someone stood there with their hands in the air and used to get Kenny hitting 50 balls, trying to get him to, to put it into that, uh, into that spot. Um, but it was just the, the, the movements that we, that we had down. Um, and again, just the amount of times we were at, ran through the, the same free kick over and over again. Um, we just had it off to, off to a tee. I think one of the reasons it sticks in my head, I think you went through a little spell where you got two or three of the goals like, a couple of weeks, I think, away at Bristol City, if I'm right, and then away at Swindon. Yeah, I remember the one at uh, the one at Swindon was a rebound because right. for that free kick, it was either is you went in sort of a one, two, three, and four along the line, and everyone was, you know, really wanting to be the one or the two because they're the ones, the chances three and four. I think maybe one person scored from number four, but you're all clambering over those one and two positions. Um, and Dino got that one. I think he hit the other side of the crossbar, and I scored the rebound. Um, again, it's that free, that free kick again. 
you have to when you stat men, I'll have to uh, count how many goals we actually scored from that. <laughs> I'll get one of the lads on it. Um, <laughs> I think Ross is a good shout. Yeah, get Ross on it. He's uh, he's a uni student. He's not got much to do. <laughs> Another thing that stands out for me that season. Uh, this is this hasn't got a question uh, at the end of it, by the way. I, this is something that I just thought you might like to know. Um, so we were playing Cheltenham away on Boxing Day. I don't know if you remember, it was a 4-0 win. They don't come much better than that on Boxing Day. Uh, we all stood behind the goal at Cheltenham and halfway through the second half, their goalkeeper started talking to the crew fans. I think because we started singing about him not being very good and him knowing about it. I'm sure you know the song I'm referring to. Uh, he turned around and he said, well, of course I'm not very good. I'm playing for Cheltenham. Uh, and that was it then. That sort of broke the ice. And there was a little bit of back and forth. And then I remember at one stage, just at the end of the game, he took a goal kick and he started like screaming in frustration. And he just turned to the crew fans and said, it doesn't matter where I kick it, that number six is winning every header today. So again, not got a question. That's just something that I thought, a little memory that stuck with me for you know almost 20 years now about that season. Um, so there we go. But then the next game was the one we talked about at home to Oldham when you got sent off. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, Steve. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great win at Cheltenham. And I think the Oldham games is one of the only times I've ever lost my head in a, in a, in a football match. I just, my head just went. And like I said, it never, don't think it happened before. Don't think, I got sent off afterwards, um, but it was never sending off like, like that. He just... Um, I can't remember the lad's name now, but uh, he just just rubbed me up the wrong way. Andrews, <laughs> and, uh, Andrews, yeah, yeah, it was Andrews, yeah, and I just wanted to kick him. Um, <laughs> and I think he knew it. I think he played on it, um, and he got me got me sent off. I should have been I should have been sent off. I've got a complaint. Um, and then I, I remember just stood in the tunnel watching the game, just praying that the, that the lads got a result, which 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 we never. Played all them twice in about. Four weeks or something stupid, didn't we? And then absolutely hammered them away. Is that right? From memory. I remember the uh, I remember the Oldham away game. Yeah, we played we played really well. Um, Danny Milosevic in goal for about five minutes. Yeah, did he did he break his leg or something or break his arm? His arm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A serious into the serious goal injury, part. didn't he? Yeah. I think it was when they scored because I think they scored first and then uh, Fitzhall did a Steve Foster and got himself sent off and uh, <laughs> and then we came back. It's a bit uh, more clear cut than the second one. Mm. Yeah. Um, if we move it along to the end of that season then, stay down in London, second to last game of the season, QPR away. Um, have you ever been involved in a nil-nil draw quite like that, Dave? Crazy, crazy game. Um, going into the game, knowing that a good result could potentially get you promoted to a club like QPR as well. You know, they were, they were quite a strong team as well. They had some, they had some good players. Um and a club like QPR, where the crowd was very close and, and intense. I remember being nervous for that game. Obviously, the opportunity of uh, I'll get him, get him promoted. Um, and then just the way the, the game went, it was it was bizarre. You know, they were probably the better team. Got a man sent off, and even had a few chances when they were down to ten men. Got another man sent off. Um, but yeah, I think I'd remember the the celebration afterwards more than the uh, more than the actual game itself. Yeah, I think when um, Steve Jones was on, he was saying that you know you were sort of stood in the changing room, ready to come back out, but you couldn't because all their home fans had come on the pitch, and they all 
I said to him at the time, I, my recollection is that they all wanted to fight us and we none of the crew fans had any interest in that. You know, we've just been promoted. It, we're all celebrating and all these QPR fans on the pitch saying, come on, come on. And, and you guys couldn't come back out on the pitch to celebrate with the fans because they were on the pitch instead. So it was sort of like a bit of a limbo moment for you. But then I, I imagine you made up for it on the way home. Yeah, we yeah we did. Yeah, I mean, listen to, um, to Sean and Maka, it was obvious and real real shame. Um, obviously, they got through to those those finals, got those promotions, and and never never really celebrated them. Um, and obviously, that obviously stuck with them. Uh, it's a real real disappointment. Um, and I think if it was down to the, the the crew lads, the academy lads in that squad that got promoted that year at QPR, I think the same thing might have happened. Um, but we had the likes of um, Dave Brammer, who obviously came from Vale. Yeah, signed from Vale. He came from a more, more experienced fellow. He obviously experienced different things uh, in football, different way um, clubs do things. And I think he must have gone down to the front of the coach and said, listen, but we're stopping. We're, we're getting some uh, alcohol on this, on this bus. And we stopped at a local... I don't know, local threshers or bargain booze or something, and just just came on with uh, with a few bags of uh, beer and and things, and and it started from there really. Um, I remember getting back to to the ground, and David Wright must have been injured at the time. He missed he missed that game, but he travelled up from uh, travelled down from Warrington, sorry, and he met us at the the club. And we can say, oh, what do we what do we do now? Said, Let's just go into crew. Going into crew, like you know, I travel in our tracksuits and stuff. You know, we can't go to crew in our tracksuits. Doesn't matter. So I don't remember. I'm not. I'm not that well up on on crew pubs and, and, and bars and stuff. But um, we ended up in a in a pub and walking in, and it was packed, and it must have been full of just of crew fans and just all jumping up and celebrating with us. And it was uh, it was really fantastic night. And yeah, even if we were in our club tracksuits. I can't imagine there's many pubs in crew that are not letting you into their pub in a tracksuit that night, I don't think. No, I don't think so. No. It, again, it was one of those experiences that I'm glad um, I, I'm glad we managed to uh, to celebrate it in, in such a way. And Because like I said, if it was down to the academy lads who hadn't experienced anything like that before, we would have been just probably jumping in our cars and going home. It was um, the... Um, there's always one in every team. It was the one that was... The best on a night out at the time. The best on a night out. Yeah. I mean, we had a few characters in in the team. Like I said, Rich Walker, who I, I played a game, I played a bit. Sorry, since I was since I first came to Crew, since I was sort of thirteen years old. Um, you know, he's uh, plenty of entertainment in himself. Um, Bram, Brams was a character. Brams is a fantastic player, and he, he was. Don't get me wrong; he was one of the main reasons why we got promoted that year. I'm, you know, I can say that for for sure. Um, just the right mix um, with what we already what we already had. But he was a he was a bit of a, a bully, really. Rams. He kind of kind of had a little pop at the young lads and and probably helped them in a way. You know, probably couldn't happen now, but you know, he used to he used to pick on them a little bit. You know, and, the hearing you say that is interesting because I listened to Carl Dickinson talking on one. And he said exactly the same thing uh, that he didn't get on with him for that reason, but it's never, never a perception I've had of him before. Oh no, no, he's. I think he was 
it's just the way he was, just his character. Um, I'm not to say anything bad about him. That was just the way he was, and he he, he kind of uh, sink or swim with him, don't you? It's one of those, you know, and, and the characters can stand stand you know back up to him, and 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 that brings you on as a, as a, as a person. Um, but as a, as a player, he was he was absolutely fantastic for us, and again, uh, uh, one of the main reasons we we got promoted that year. Going back to Steve's question about on a night out, would I be right in assuming that Colin Cram was the worst one to go on a night out with? Crammy, yeah. Crammy's a character, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. All I'd say was, you know, any story Crammy tells you, you take it with a pinch of salt. You take it with a pinch of salt. Like, lovely fella, lovely fella, and, and got on with everyone. You know, coming from from a, a different club sometimes, uh, players struggle to, to fit in particularly because there's a lot of young young kids. Um, but Crammy, despite his ways and despite his fallings out with the, the staff, and um, he was never with the players, never really fell out. I think, well, belly, I think, all the time. Mm. <laughs> but he never really fell out. Everyone kind of liked him. Um, but everyone was just talking with a pinch of salt because he, he loved the story. He's coming every morning with a new story about this happened, that happened, and he'd just be like, yeah, all right, Crammy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and Stuart both pretty much would always say that Luton away is the best game we've ever seen. Crew play. That's I just wonder whether that crew game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. wonder no one ever really mentions it apart from me and Stu, but we won four nil and Dean Ashton was like phenomenal that day. I was wondering whether you sort of remember it. Remember anything? Did I even play? I have, listen, Luton, I'd be surprised if I did play and we won 4-0 because I've got the worst memory of Luton. I played I played there a couple of times. We've played three or four times or maybe three times. I've been sent off twice. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those bogey grounds. Luton and um, Hull. I hate you playing there. I hate you playing there again. I was sent off at Hull. Don't think I ever won. Those, uh, those grounds in, the, in your career... Uh, with just seem to be proper proper bogey grounds and like I said I'd be surprised if I played in that, in that win because I hated playing there. <laughs> um, I'm just having a quick look Steve if you did play on that one because you know there's some a stats page that tells us this but one of the questions I got off Steve Hatton who's on this pod as well is he wanted to know what was your least favourite ground to play at I feel like you've just answered that by saying Luton. Luton was up there yeah um, there was some wasn't many grounds really, but uh, I mean, there's some bad grounds. Um, was it is it Millmore Rotherham's old ground? Yeah, that was that was an interesting place to go. We got changed in a tiny porter cabin. Um, we talk about Accrington, but the way Accrington used to be, and used to get changed in a porter cabin, and um, Rotherham was was just as bad. Um, and I think they must have done it on purpose. Because at times that uh, that era, um, they were a team of absolute monsters. Um, and I think they did it to intimidate the, the, the teams going there and and give you a little bit of a taste of what to expect in the ninety minutes when you uh, when you played against the team. Uh, I've just looked. You played in the home game that Crew lost one nil, but you you're not in the team for the away one that they won four nil. I'm afraid that doesn't surprise me. And <laughs> <laughs> it's the best game of football I've ever seen crew play. Dean got taken off <laughs> with about two minutes to go. And he got a, a round of applause from the whole stadium, including the referee. He was that good that day. 
Um, so yeah, it was quite a highlight for me. But sorry, oh, one that sorry to bring me. that one up. Yeah. Oh, you're fine now. It's another nothing uh, that doesn't surprise me. Do you know getting a, a, a standing ovation? So back in the championship, then. How were you guys feeling after that win away at Leeds in the second season that got us up to, what, eighth, ninth in the championship? Was there a genuine belief that you could push on or not? I think we were we were flying, weren't we? Um, but again, we were always the underdog, um, even though we were, we were flying at that stage. I don't think uh, any team came to us with any particular trepidation or any, any worry about being little old crew. And that just... That just played into our hands. Um, uh, one one game sticks in my mind. I think playing against Reading. Um, I don't know. Is Nicky Ford? Nicky Forster played for Reading centre forward. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And remember, just sort of half, half an hour into the game, he just turned around to me and said, "You are absolutely battering us. You are. You know, what a team. You what a team you've got here." Um, and that's the. Kind of the memories I've got of, of, of playing in the championship is just playing against these uh, these big clubs, and only apart from maybe a handful of, of occasions, you know, West Ham gave us a good battering at Resty Road. Um, I, I really felt that we 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 got a hammering, you know, considering we were a little old crew um, playing against these these giants of clubs. Um, we always tend to give uh, tend to give the, the big boys a, a run for their money. The one that always sticks in my head, just on that uh, note, is the Sunderland game. That's the one that, I, that gets replayed quite a lot. The game's got straight and beaten 3-0 in front of a full house. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, the Sunderland game, I think. There's a couple of Leeds games. I think Leeds was 2-2, but I just remember that game sticking in my head and I think we beat Forest and oh, we, beat, we beat a few teams. But yeah, the 3-0 against Sunderland. Um, and I've done it a few times since I finished playing. You look back and you look back at those teams, look back at Sunderland's team there, and you and you you read the players out, and they were a very good team, and uh, we we uh, took them to the cleaners, if you like. And then, we, I mean, we've talked about the rest of that season quite extensively with Steve Jones because obviously he had quite a big part to play in the Coventry game on the last day of the season. But how did it feel that season then? Because obviously, like you said, you were flying at the start of the season, gets to January, beat Leeds away at Ellen Road, don't win a game again until the last day of the season. It's a bit of a weird season, that, isn't it? Yeah, it was... Um, well, it, I mean, everyone said it about uh, Dean leaving. Um, had a massive, massive impact on us, not only as a, as a team, but kind of a, a confidence thing as well. You know, you look around your, your team and, and you've got the, the whole seat up front, you've got, you got Dean Ashton up front, you know, and you know, no matter how you play, he's capable of, uh, of doing something special and, and, and winning you the game. Uh, and we spent a number of games in the Championship camped, you know, there's a few games that you, I can remember not really getting out of our own half, um, but the likes of, of, of Dean and, and Rodney, uh, some memory I've got of, of Rodney Jack. You're always aware that you know if Rodney's in your team, uh, if Dean's in your team, they can they can do something special and they can they could win the game for you. Which which one of the strikers did you hate playing against in the training the most? Was it Dean or was it Rob Halls? Was it Rodney for his pace? Which one? Um, I think I think Halsey was a better trainer. Um, I think. I think by by his own admission, I don't think Dean was a particularly uh, good trainer. Um, 
he uh, he had all the ability in the world, Ian. Um, Hulsey never had a, as much ability, but he he worked for his, his career. You know, I take my hat off to him for the amount of effort and what he went to, the lengths he went to to have the career that he had, um, especially after uh, having such a serious back injury uh, when he was when he was younger, um, and the work he put into, you could see it every day. He was he was in long days and training, doing two sessions in a day when others were going home. Um, he went on a a loan, sorry, Manchester way, at a, at a period, Hi, wasn't it? Um, High, playing non-league, and you just aware. Just he, he he had to work harder, I think. So in training, he always aware, and he was he was always one of them who maybe leave their little little arm in, little elbow in. Um, actually, fell out with Hulsey uh, playing against him when I was at was at Barnsley. Um, never never really played too many times against old teammates and stuff, but played against the Derby quite a bit and Sheffield United and. Uh, I remember at Derby one time and he, he caught me with with an elbow completely off the ball and just completely unexpected. And to this day, I think I've spoken to him since I've kind of kissed and made up. He has no recollection or <laughs> whether it's in the heat of the moment or whether it was a complete accident, but I was I was fuming. Yeah, I was fuming, just a little stray elbow. But he was he was a bit like that. He had a nasty, he had a nasty side to him, which was which was part of his game. When you said the national left end that season, um, how long did it take you to realise how big of a loss that was? I mean, you probably realised at the time, but without admitting it, how many games into, into it did you sort of think, yeah? I don't think we had. Again, there's there's no one, there's no kind of straight replacement. Um, so even though we had some decent players still, there was no real replacement for for Dean and the type of player he was. Um, so, whereas, like I said, we go to uh, teams and, and have our backs against the wall for, for 87 minutes and then, you know, someone managed to uh, to get a goal for you. We didn't have that spark. Um, and that's the, the real thing that we, that, that we missed. And it wasn't, I don't think it was long before we, uh, you know, we realised that we, you know, we need to find something here and uh, it's a bit of just a habit, isn't it? Like winning is, you know, if you, if you get into a rut, but you're not winning football matches, it's difficult to get out of. Yeah, because I always thought Michael Higdon um, obviously took his place to an extent, didn't I? I always thought he got quite a lot of unfair stick because he couldn't do what Dean Ashton was able to do. Well, maybe that's the case, yeah. Yeah, because he, 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 was he was a good player. He wasn't, was never blessed with uh, enormous uh, pace, but he had a lot of ability. Um, and yeah, maybe people were expecting too much of him and a lot of pressure put on his, on his shoulders and... Never quite, never quite worked out for him. So, Steve, you've mentioned already um, quite a bit about Dario. You mentioned Steve Holland as well. Um, it's quite common for players at Crew. It's quite uncommon um, for players at clubs who aren't Crew to only have one coaching system for their entire playing career at the club. What was it that made them so special, and what worked so well for the three of them together? Obviously, with Neil Baker included as well. I think with what you touched on before um, with, with Dario, he had a, a philosophy. He had his idea of the way he wanted things. And if Dario wanted something doing a particular way, it was it was done that way. No one, no one was to argue. Um, and his way was producing these these uh, young footballs, and he had a way of doing it and it worked. And then everyone 
kind of followed suit. Um, and he, I mean, a lot of people said, you know, Steve Holland was a was a bit of a clone. Um, so coming through, and the lads would talk um, and just saying he's, he's just he's even walking like Dario. You know, look at way he's holding his kit bags. He's even you know he's even carrying them like Dario. And I think Steve would probably admit that he learned a lot off Dario, and it, it was just it just focused, and everything was pushing in one direction. All the coaches knew what to do, what the direction was, the way of playing, uh, the way we wanted to to play, um, and because it was so focused, I think that's what worked so well. Any Neil Baker grillings with that? Do you know what? I've listened to a number of these, like I say, a number of these podcasts. I have a little when I go from my runs now. I listen to to the podcast and okay. listen to uh, to to Grammy and to to Jonah and um, speak about bakes. I never really had a that experience of of bakes. You know, he had a way about him. You know, he I never got a grilling off him, or I never really experienced any. You know, witnessed any grillings that he gave. He just had a, a bit of a presence about him. Um, you know, he wouldn't. A bit of a reputation, you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't. Don't mess with bakes. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, we, we had a we had a great relationship. And like everyone said, you know, what a top uh, top fella he was. Um, didn't enjoy his coaching sessions too much. <laughs> I'm perfectly honest. He is is a better person and man to man manager than a coach. If I can say <laughs> that without. Know. <laughs> Sorry, Biggs. <laughs> I, I think that's what um, Steve McCauley was saying, wasn't it? That, you know, he he's not the coach. He's not the football coach. He's the go-between between Dario, the coach, who maybe isn't a very good man-manager, and then Neil Baker is the person you can go to if you've got something wrong. Um, but his coaching, I think he touched on it. He wasn't very impressed with it when he first joined the club. Well, absolutely. Yeah, it's perfect. It's usually the other way around, isn't it? You know, it's usually the first team coach that takes training and, and, the, and the manager sort of sits back and he, he, he does the man-to-man management, that kind of thing. Whereas with, with Bates and Dario, it was the opposite way around. You know, Dario took all the training, um, did all the coaching, um, well, most of the coaching. Um, and Bates was the guy to go and go and talk to. Or if you had a problem, you go and speak to Bakes. Um because it took quite a lot to go and knock on Dario. If we go back to the season after the Coventry game, um, it was Crew's last season in what is the championship now, still to this day. Um, it was also your last season at the club. How early did you decide that you weren't going to sign a new contract and you were going to look elsewhere? I just, I just thought I was aware that the contract was coming to an end. Um, there was discussions between myself and the relevant parties as to as to what was on offer, what was on offer. Um, it never really got into any serious kind of contract negotiations, contract talks. I think it was almost kind of expected that I probably might move on. Um, in hindsight, I probably think I was a little bit late moving on. Um, if I had my time again, I think I might have tried to. No disrespect to crew at all. I owe, I owe them everything and give me maybe my chance in, in football. But for my uh, future development, I think it would have been better potentially if I would have moved on a little bit early, one or two seasons earlier. Um, so I just felt like I fell into a comfort zone. Um, I wasn't guaranteed playing every week, but if I was playing 
well enough. I'd be in the first team. I'd be playing, and I didn't want to feel that. I wanted to push myself and, and give myself a bit of a challenge, and, and that was the reason why why I left. Um, it just coincided with us kind of getting relegated in that uh, in that season. Um, it just kind of looks back now and makes me look like I just jumped ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did the same as Sean Smith and Steve McCauley because they left the first time, and then you know the four years down the line, you did the same. I seem to remember my recollection, me, my friends, family, etc. when you decided to leave, there was sort of a oh, fair enough sort of feeling to it. Like you'd done your time at crew and it probably was right for you to move on. Yeah. Like, like you say, it just kind of, it kind of filtered out, you know, it's just that, that it, it, I think like you say, it was, it was almost expected from, from both sides. Um, I don't ever remember getting into the conversation with Dario in any particular depth with regards to, to sign. I knew, I knew there was going to be a contract there and they said there was going to be a contract there, but it never really went into, into detail. I think it, maybe conversation was had to say that I'm, I'm the goal, I'm going to leave at the end of the season. Um, but, there, you know, there's no love lost at all. Um, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my, my, my time at uh, Crew. Was it tough leaving Crew um, as a centre-back? May, I think, in, in a way, because... The moan is amongst our fan base, and I know we'll say none of our kids are able to tackle or whatever it might be in that sort of circumstance. Did did you feel that like change? I know what you're trying. To, I know what you're saying. I think um, crew aren't particularly renowned for developing and bringing through halves. I don't think that's what the thought of really. Um, I think I was just at the right maybe mix as I wasn't a bit of a, a typical crew. Um, product, if I put it that way, um, you know, I did like a tackle, I did like to put my head in. Um, I was absolutely great on the ball, so you know, how I did have faith for crew for so long, I'm not too sure. Um, but I had a little bit of um, the dark side, shall I say, um, that is involved in defending. Um, but I think it might be, it might have made people think twice about coming in and assigning a crew defender. Um, so it's uh. They're not known for uh, for producing too many. Uh, obviously, there's there's Rob Jones, but you know centre halves to go on and play at the top level. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not what they're known for. Did you move um, to Burnley straight with Steve Jones then? I did, yeah, yeah. Um, it was one of those. I, I was uh, obviously out of contract, um, but whereas Jonah, I think, always knew he was going to go and sign for for Burnley. I didn't know who was going to sign for, so I was just sat at home in that summer, just waiting for the phone to phone to ring. Um, and obviously, through experience now, knowing that you might have to wait a lot longer than you want to wait for that phone to that phone to ring, because things seem to happen later and later now in the in the summer before clubs kind of make their make their move. And, and uh, I had one or two little things, little bits of interest. Um, and then just one phone call um, from Burnley. Sorry, I actually know he signed for Barnsley that year as well. Um, missed that bit. So I had one or two little bit of interest, one being Barnsley, um, actually going and, and speaking with them. And then Burnley phoned, and it was a decision then between between Barnsley and Burnley as to where I'd go. Um, and it was only through my, my dad dying that summer that I decided really that Burnley was the right club for me because it meant I could stay at home. I thought when I was going to have to move over to 
to Yorkshire if I play for, for Barnsley and it's probably the main reason why I signed for Burnley um, to be close to home, close to the family. It was in that Burnley squad at the time that you, you, you went to? Um, it was Andy Gray, centre-forward, um, Alan Barn, um, Joey Good-Johnson was, was there for a bit. Um, obviously, there was uh, Jonah, Michael Duff, Brian Jensen, um, John Harley, James O'Connor. So it was a good, it was a good team. Yeah, and the um, it, it didn't particularly start for me very well there, but uh, it, they were a good team, and uh, it was another uh, thing I look back on and think I had a really good pre-season that year. Uh, going to a new club, and it's all it's all different, and I've been through a rough time, obviously in the in the summer, um, and I'd done really well. And I think it was a, a sort of a, surpassed expectations with the uh, with the manager and I played every pre-season game played well and I was looking forward to the first game of the season playing in the in the, in the starting 11 and he pulled me the day before and, and he said he wasn't going to play me and it just yeah just absolutely uh, absolutely killed me because I thought well if I'm, I'm not getting to the first team playing like I did in pre-season then what have I got to uh, what have I got to do um, and then it was a real battle to try and get him away into the first team because they start the season like a house on fire and I think they won the first sort of first eight out of ten games or something um, and then I, I really struggled to sort of cement my place as a in that in that team. Yeah, so was it a year you spent at Burnley before the move to Barnsley then? Just over a year, yeah, just over a year, um, and then obviously someone at Barnsley still still like me. <laughs> I think that the move to Barnsley, I think you proved that it went a little bit better than the Burnley one. Um, and I followed you on Twitter now for quite a few number of years. Um, and what I see is Barnley, Barnsley feels like your club now. So I see you tweet quite a lot about crew, but I also see you tweet quite a lot about Barnsley. Is that the case? Yeah, I've got close uh, relationships with, uh, with both clubs. Um, but after, after that year I had at Burnley, and it was a real, real tough, tough time. Um, like I said, I said about me, my, my dad dying and um, not managing to get into the first team. I was in and out and subbing for most of the season, and I was in a, in a bad place to be honest. I was really, I was really down, and I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much longer in football I've got. I just don't, don't see where this is going. But then uh, Barnsley came in for me. It was a real, it's a real lifeline. I went there sort of two games in, I think, to the season. Uh, Simon Davey was the, the manager, Ryan Kidd, the coach, and just threw me straight into the first team. Turned up on a Thursday, I think I trained once or twice, played in the game, and it just, just went from there. And just the just the arm around the shoulder that I needed at the time, um, they made me feel a million dollars coming off after my first few games and just saying how fantastic I was. I think we we won those games. Um, and it just, it just made me feel great again and, and made me enjoy my football again um, which I hadn't for a little while This next question might sound odd because you know this is a crew podcast and we're probably mainly getting listened to by crew fans but would I be right in guessing that your best moment in football was at Anfield? Possibly <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, again just uh, it was in the first season so it snowballed um, I played like you mentioned before I played a few games at uh, quite a few games at right back that season but one of our centre half was on loan so I had to go back to centre half to play in the in the cup run um, 
and yeah, the Liverpool game and the, and the FA Cup run that we had that season is definitely uh, definitely a highlight. Okay, so we're almost done, Steve. Uh, I've got um, one last thing I'd like you to do. Um, you've obviously played with some great players at your time at Crew. I'd like it if you can to build your best Crew Alex back five. Now we're going to assume that you're one of the centre backs. So we'll go through them in order. Can you pick the best goalkeeper, the best right back, the best left back and the best centre back uh, to form the ultimate crew back five? So goalies, I've written down in your time, uh, Jason Kearton, Clayton Ince, George, Ben Williams. I don't know if there's any I've forgotten, but who would you pick out of those as your goalie? I didn't. I didn't play with Jason Kearton for, did for too long. I did play. I did. I did play. Um, He'd, he'd probably have to sneak in there. Um, we've had some interesting goalkeepers, you know. Clay, Clayton and George couldn't kick the ball. <laughs> they couldn't kick the ball. I mean, Dario knew that. He had, he had, uh, he had Clayton throwing. Well, he could throw the ball out way though, couldn't he? He could throw it to the half. He had a hell of a throw on him. Um, I don't think. I'm not too sure they'd stand up in today's game too too well. Um, but they were they were pres- a presence. Um, and Clayton was a was a was a good goalkeeper on his day. He, he was one of those who'd have um, those occasions where nothing would get past him, and he'd he'd be stand out man of the match kind of performances. Um, but I think as an all round goalkeeper, I think Jason was a, was a better goalkeeper. Okay, so Jason's your goalie. Um, right back then, I've got. David Wright, Marcus Bignett, John Semabor. I think, I mean, we could include Stephen Wright. I think he spent most of his time at crew as a right back rather than a centre back. But who are you going to go for there? I this imagine is, I could guess this one. This is Darren Moss. Yeah, it's a good player. But I, you, you're asking me to pick this like with some friends here. That right, he's going to be in there, isn't he? Um, you know, my old car school uh, mate who, who is a Warrington lad as well. Um, still keep in touch with him every now and again. And, uh, a great, uh, a great lad, and a very good, very good defender who went on to do uh, well for himself. Um, we'll go left back then. Um, I struggle to think of as many left backs as centre backs, so we'll do that one first. I've got Sean Smith, David Vaughan, Anthony Tonkin, Paul Tierney, Billy Jones. Horny. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're picking. You asked me to pick my friends here. I'm a team of friends. Yeah, we're still good friends. Um, Vaughan and I, um, and a, a number of those, a number of the crew lads. It's a, it's a, it's a special group of, um, of, of lads that I played with a, a crew. I mean, I've been at a number of clubs, but there's no other club I've been at where we've managed to keep in touch. Um, and there's a, there's a group of the crew lads who are still keeping in touch with now. We've been away together, we've been on holiday together with our kids and stuff. And um, yeah, Vaughan one of them, so I've got to pick Vaughan. Do you think that, um, like you just said that you managed to keep us up, do you think that's because you're all young at the same time and you're playing for the same club for a, a long period of time? Maybe, but, this, you know, A.D. Moses in the group of that I was just talking about and he wasn't there for, for long. Um, it just had a special feeling about it. It was a very family-friendly family club. Um, I know the, the wires came to the game and, and things and they got very close as well. Um, and it just had that, that atmosphere... Unlike most clubs, I mean, Crew is completely different to any other club that I've known. I think everyone would say the same thing. Um, it's just completely, uh, completely different to, to everything else. The way it's set up, um, going into games, you just you start producing plays and not winning games, and um, just a, such a relaxed atmosphere. 
um, and that helped with the the, the friendships uh, within the within the, the, the lads and the families. I think um, the point in Eddie Moses is going to bring Stu onto the, the final yeah. one. Then. I was going to say, if you struggle with the right backs and uh, left backs, I feel like the centre back one's going to cause you some stress because I've got. You could have had Eddie at left back though. He played a he played a game at left back, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, at, got, uh, at Leeds, <laughs> I've got quite a list of centre backs, and you've already mentioned a few of them being your mate. So um, try and choose one of these: Steve McCauley, Dave Walton, Rich Walker, Effie Soji, Chris McCready, Aidy Moses, Majid Bugera. One of them, please, Steve. One of them. One of them, please. You can drop yourself if you want and pick two. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself centre forward. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I'll pick I'll pick Magic Bruguera for what he went on to do, um, and for coming to the club on like almost like a trial. And me and Rich Walker actually, I think, were together and watching him train and looking and thinking, "What is this guy? What he was marking on the wrong side? He was walking into midfield." He wasn't holding his position and thinking, this guy's got this guy's got no chance. And then he played in a, a friendly, which I didn't see, and apparently did, did well. Um, strong lad. And then he was almost like just thrust into the into the first team um, alongside alongside me. And he was well, you obviously saw him. He was he wasn't the best centre half to play alongside, but you know. <laughs> Gave me a few heart attacks when he went on those crazy forward runs, but um, to go on and do what he's, he's he played in the world, I say he's played in the World Cup, so such. But he's he's um, gone and played for some huge clubs and uh, played in the World Cup. Okay. And you're asking me to pick between friends. I was going to say, and you, yeah, if you want to pick Rich Walker, you're going to upset Aidy Moses, vice versa. So yeah, fair play. Oh, so I'll go back on that, actually. Go back. I'm picking Maka. Right, I'm going to okay. pick. My childhood hero. <laughs> Fair enough. You're trying to make amends, aren't you? I was going to say, after to try and make amends after taking his spots. I know that he, <laughs> he listens nowadays as well, so uh, you'll be fine. Like In all seriousness, it would be it would be Mac, and we, we we laugh about it. But as it, like I said, as a young kid coming through, and to see him coming off with his his blood stained, you know, forehead and. Um, he was a decent goal scorer for centre half as well, and he, he, no fear, but he wore his heart on his sleeve. Um, and definitely, you know, definitely someone I, I did look up to, yeah, trying to make amends. So, seriously, it'll be back. <laughs> Save yourself at the end, then. Gary Roberts, what was he like to play with? Talented, talented. Um, I think, I think well, by the time I had. It, the, the crazy, proper craziness came out after I left. Um, he just, he was just very raw. Um, I don't know his, his his background and stuff. I knew he was from kind of Chester Way. Um, and he just, yeah, he, he had a few, he just had a few issues. He needed someone to put their arm around him and steer him in the right direction uh, because his ability was was right up there, um, and I know he went on and, and had a career, but I think a lot of people would say his career could have been so much, so much more. Um, you know, you've, you've probably listened to the podcast. I think why you're asking those questions with like, I've heard Popey speak about him, um, 
and the stories he used to get up to taking time off. And you know, I seen one of the stories about him, he, he not turned up for training. And then, no, he said he had to borrow money from the Port Vale chairman for his nan's funeral or something. And his nan had, didn't actually die. You know, there's a few, yeah, there's a few stories like that that have come into play. But I ever know, knew him as a young lad coming through and, and seeing the ability he had. Those stories came in. I think probably after my uh, after my time, I could just see that he just needed someone at the rudder steering him in the uh, in the right direction, which unfortunately didn't happen in time. Because I think now he'd look back himself and say, if he could get his head right, he would have he would have had a top career. Just on uh, the light note, a favourite Dario story. I can say there's so many there's so many stories. Um, with with Dario, he he's a, he was a, such an interesting interesting character. Looking back now, I can say that at the time, I was, as a kid, terrified of him. Um, terrified, uh, even going to knock on his knock on his door to speak about anything. It was like, had to build yourself up, and I think everyone said that. So it's not just me. Um, you have to build yourself up to actually go and have a conversation with him. I know. I was quite proud of myself one time. I went in for contract negotiations um, and they'd offered me so much and I knew Dave Walton had, was on a bit more. So as a young lad, it, again, it was terrifying going into his office, but I managed to pluck up the courage to knock on and go into his room and John Bowler was sat there, Dario was sat there. And uh, he said, well, you know, what we're what we looking at with the contract? And I said, well, it's, it's all right. I said, but, you know, Dave Bolton's on so much more than me and I'm playing alongside him every week. Do you, do you think Derek, uh, Dave's a better player than me? I've, I've, questioned, I've, I've looked at John Bolton more than Dario and Dario turned his chair around and went, no, I think you are. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, can I have as much as Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. <laughs> and after all that, building myself up, absolutely having myself and speak to Dario, he was the one who actually stood up there for me and John Bolton was sat there kind of didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. He just, obviously, Dario just gone and spent more of his, uh, spent more of his, uh, of his money. Um, but he was, he was just a, such a, a character, an intimidating character, and at times a character that made you kind of want to look away, you know, going on, on, on away trips and we went to, uh, on an overnight one time and we had a pre-match meal set out for us and they brought the, the pastor out for us and he just dry pasta. So we're thinking, well, where's the, where's the sauce? So before anyone of us could sort of say anything or, or ask anything, Dario had gone to who was bringing the food out. Um, and I think, you know, what's going to go on here? And he's gone, where's the pasta? And the young girl, bless her, the pasta's just there. He went, I'm in Italian, and then I eat pasta. <laughs> <laughs> My girl, it was one of those, and it happened a few times, the girl just kind of crumbled and like just <laughs> awkward moments, you know, this poor young girl, she hadn't even cooked the, the meal, bless her. She just brought it out and she he'd made a meal that big, went off with a tail between the legs to get some, get some sauce. <laughs> but yeah, he's... Uh, his his um, his coaching was fantastic. His 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 manner sometimes was a was a little bit you know to left to be uh, desired. 
Yeah, I think as we sort of do more and more of these, that's sort of the tapestry that's being created by all of these ex-players. Sort of similar stories every time. Fantastic coach, fantastic football manager. Not so much on the pers- personal touch. His football was his football was his life. Was his life. He he he. I'm sure still is, but he he lived, breathed everything football. Um, absolutely loves the game. Loves the game. I never met anyone who who did more. And like I can't say anything more than me. That my first training session at Crew and going as a, as a 13 year old lad, and he's taking the under 12s and. He, and he took every few years. So it was under 12s, 14s, 16s, and they had a team that he took on a Sunday. So after a first team match, you then get up on the Sunday morning and take a, a kids team on the on the Sunday. He just lived, breathed football. Um, yeah, and he's uh, yeah. I, 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 um, last one for me then. Uh, similar sort of lines. Now you're not involved in football today. Did Dario ever sort of approach you and say, what about a coach? Because it, it seems to me that most of the academy people we've had on, that was the case, that as soon as they started playing, he thought, well, now you should be starting your coaching as well. I think it was almost like a natural progression, wasn't it? Um, and like I mentioned earlier, that direction and that vision, the crew way, who better to uh, to bring in to, to, to see that way through is ex-pros who've, who've been through it all. Um, and when I have seen Dario, you know, when, I've, when I've been back, um, he's always saying, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Um, and I don't know whether the intention was to, to go on and say, well, you know, come down. And but I've never, I've never had the desire um, to go into to coaching. Um, my enjoyment in football was the, the playing and, and, and the buzz from, from playing and the adrenaline rush. From from uh, from winning football matches and uh, being being involved in in football, I didn't see that and didn't see me going into to coaching and getting that same that same buzz. And I know there's a few lads who will say the same thing. Some people love the game that much. Kenny Kenny loves football, and you could tell from you know um, from coming uh, coming up through the the ranks with him that he he loved the game and a real um, mastermind of, of the game. Um, I know we're wrapping up a little bit here now, but I know uh, in, in one game, remember uh, West Brom away and Dario making a, a sub. I don't know whether Chris McCready came off or Chris McCready came on. Um, and I remember uh, Kenny going over to Dario and asking what he was doing. And Dario said, oh, I'm doing this and putting so-and-so right back. And Kenny said, well, why didn't you put right in midfield? And Dario and Righty played midfield coming through the, the youth team. And Dario actually listened to Kenny put Righty midfield. We ended up doing doing well. I think we I don't think got a point. We won the game. The five one win, that one. Could have could have been. And and um yeah, you could tell from that moment that Kenny was gonna have a, a, a future in, in the game on the coaching side, because even though there's not much between the years in uh, in general knowledge and uh, day-to-day living. He's got a great football in. Uh, he's got a great footballing brain. Surprised to you see him doing well with us then at the moment. Not at all. No. You know, he's. So uh, it's, it's one of those where you kind of need someone to come on the uh, and do all the press conferences for him. Um, maybe he can't articulate what's going on in that in that in that brain of his, but. Like I say, he's got all the knowledge for football and, and real, uh, 
you know, tactics wise, and I'm sure he does a lot of the, the, the shape play with the, with the first team. He's, uh, he was definitely going to be that way. He was an absolute nightmare roommate, but he's, uh, he's done really well for himself as, uh, as assistant manager. Yeah, uh, I think on that positive note, we'll leave it for today, Steve. Um, just want to say from us, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. No problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, Neil and Steve, thank you as well. Sam? As ever, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday with our regular pods. So until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.